Amen. Thank you, Pastor Alex. Thank you, worship team. Take your Bibles. Turn to the book of Luke. Again, special greeting to those online. We're so glad you're with us. Book of Luke, find chapter 2. Uh, it would be important for this morning to read from the New King James. The, the NIV uh, doesn't do such a good job on the particular emphasis I want to make. So here we go, Luke chapter 2, verse 1. Are you all there? Say amen. amen. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. The census first took place while Quinorius was, in, was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Verse 4, Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. I have to stop and say that that is, excuse the pun, that, that verse, verse 5, is pregnant with revelation. How are you betrothed and yet with child? It's, it's married without the privileges of marriage, yet she's pregnant because, of course, the Holy Spirit overshadowed her. Uh, Virgin Mary is now with the Messiah. Verse 6. So it was, while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son. And wrapped him in swaddling clothes. Wrapped him in what? Swaddling clothes. And laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. Everybody say that. And this will be a sign to you. Here, let's keep reading. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Verse 13 and Suddenly there was the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said one to another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Verse 20, a final verse for this morning. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things which they had heard and seen as it was told them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. 
Lord, for your grace that's upon our lives. And now as you would speak and release your power, Lord, in this second service, as you even did in the first, come and say what you want to say. Move the way that you want to move. May we never be the same. Release living understanding to each and every one of us. Lord, illuminate our hearts, I pray, that causes us to live in a different way. Transform us and change us, even by the preaching of your word and the power of your spirit. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, let me, in intro and prefacing the message, say that I don't know what it is about this particular year, but there is more uptight uh, Christians regarding Christmas, the day that we're celebrating Christmas, Christmas trees, presents. I, I, I just have never seen, I mean, I was just a real barrage of some people that need some real freedom. Uh, and it's just been sad uh, to, to, to see that. And he said, what are you talking about? There's just a whole uh, movement of legalism that wants to, you know, just divorce from all of, the, all of the holidays and all of the, not the Jewish holidays, mind you, but the, the ones that are dubbed Christian holidays, like Easter and relating it to Astarte and Christmas, because Christmas wasn't something that you find in the Bible, and you won't find it in there. The first Christmas was uh, in the 300s, and a pope, a Catholic pope, called it a, a holiday to celebrate, it was on December 25th, to celebrate the birth of Jesus. Now, what the upset is, is that there was many pagans that celebrated the winter solstice and all kinds of festivals that said about, it's about the same time, the 21st, or the, sometimes it's the 22nd of December, and there's different calendars and such. And so there, there was an upset that, they, that Christians, and specifically Catholics, tried to Christianize a pagan uh, practice. So here's the thing. I don't know for sure whether they tried to do that or not, but here's what we're doing. We are celebrating the birth of Jesus. Amen. And the truth is, well, I think we should do that all the time, not just on the 25th. And you know, there was an early church celebrated the birth of Jesus around January 6th, too. There was a whole movement around January 6th. And for whatever reason, it's wound up on the 25th. And I know there's a bunch of materialism and things that are off balance and whacked out. But as a believer, we teach our family, I teach my family with my beautiful wife, we teach our kids the real reason for the celebration. And, and why do you give gifts? Because G God gave it the greatest gift that you could ever receive is Jesus. That's the greatest gift. And our gift giving is a sign of the wonder of Christ and, and giving gifts and is just a picture of the great gift that he gave us. And we're not bowing down to a tree. And if you want some explanation about the tree, yeah, oh, Tannenbaum, I don't sing that song. And, and there is some pagan roots to the tree and all that. We, we have redeemed it. I hope that you redeem it in your house. What do you mean by that? The tree is a picture green, evergreen. It's eternity. Uh, it's chopped down. It gets raised up. The picture of resurrection. And so lights. He is the light of the world. The lights on the Christmas tree. So we don't teach our kids anything else but that. And, and it's a, a time where really it's the most celebrated Christmas is the most celebrated holiday worldwide. Every single nation. In every nation on the earth. There's a celebration of Christmas. So somebody, somebody say, okay, it's all right then. Yeah, it's, it's all right. All right. If you're bowing down to the tree, I rebuke you. All right. Don't bow down to the tree. Worship the lamb. 
And so it's a, it's a picture of, of, the, of the birth. He wasn't born until on the 25th of December either. Somebody said, when was he born? Well, we don't really know. But, but we're celebrating his birth. And he, you know, it wasn't, it's not like you see in little books and stuff. But it's a good thing to celebrate. Amen? You look at your, look at your text, the text here uh, in Luke 2 is, is rather remarkable. I'm going to um, teach you what you may know, but for me, it's been revelation really for just a couple years now. When I went to Israel with my wife and a group from the church, we went to Bethlehem to see this place where Jesus was born. They built a church over it. Some of you may have been there. And you can take the tour underneath the church down into the cave where they say that Jesus was born. And there's a hole in the floor with a 14-point silver star uh, on top of marble and a hole right there. And you can reach your hand in and touch the floor of the cave where Jesus was born. And I heard about that. I thought, eh, I'm not going to touch the floor of the cave where Jesus is born. But then I'm 100% sure it's the cave. But when I got there, I thought, well, maybe it's the cave. Okay, I'll touch the floor. <laughs> And you know, you got to get down on your, your hands and knees and put your hand in there. And, you know, I didn't get any special impartation of, uh, you know, the cave or anything like that. But it is absolutely amazing, this story and this text is filled, really, with some great revelation that you might have never seen. So if you're just here for just another Christmas story and think we just can talk about the shepherds and close in prayer, you're wrong. You're going to get something very possibly that's fresh and brand new you've never heard before. And that's really affected me and built my faith yet again. In John 1 and 29, John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God. In fact, I've entitled the message, Behold the Lamb. Behold the Lamb of God. And so when Jesus comes to be baptized, as was fitting to set a model for us, he gets to be baptized by John the Baptist. John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God. Right? What was John the Baptist saying? What John the Baptist was referring to is he's referring to the Lamb, meaning the Messiah, meaning the fulfillment of the sacrificial system. You see, all Jews, he's talking to Jews at Behold the Lamb of God around there at the baptism. Most of them were Jews. And so when John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb, what would a Jew be thinking? You think back about the sacrificial system. Let me, let me take you just on a little bit of a journey before we get into Luke 2. If you go to the book of Genesis and you find the fall of mankind, Adam and Eve are there. They sin. What does the Lord God do? Well, he's looking for Adam. How many of you know God knew where Adam was? If God can't find you, you really are lost. He's looking for Adam. He's giving Adam an opportunity to repent, but he doesn't. And he comes and they made fig leaves to cover their nakedness, which is a picture of religion. And I've preached on that before. And what the Lord God does is he makes tunics of animal skin for them. He covers their nakedness through an animal skin. Now, some of you have hunted, and I think every one of us would understand that if an animal was skinned, it's no longer alive and there's blood. Without the shedding of blood, Levitical law says there's, there's no forgiveness of sin. So, to cover their nakedness, God killed an animal. I believe it was a lamb. We don't know because it doesn't say and he covered their nakedness, and then they received basically removal from the garden and, and the judgment that came for their sin. Then you see, so that was, that was really the first animal sacrifice, if I can say it that way. And you see then that that's passed on to Cain and Abel. 
How do you understand that? Because Cain and Abel, the process of time, they come to bring an offering to worship the Lord. Cain brings fruit of the ground. Abel brings fat of the firstborn. And the Bible says that God looked at Abel's offering with favor and he accepted it. But with Cain's offering, he rejected it. Cain wanted to come to the Lord the way that he wanted to. He wanted to bring an offering that he wanted to bring. And he thought that fruit would work. But God said, no, that's not how it works. Now we can assume, reading between the lines, that they learned that from, from Adam and Eve. And so they bring a sacrifice. One was accepted, one was not accepted. The one with blood was accepted. The fat offerings from the firstborn of his flock was accepted. The fruit, not accepted. So God rebukes Cain and says, if you do the right thing, will you not be accepted? But if you do the wrong thing, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you. You must master it. And he doesn't master it. He festers bitterness. He gets angry and he ends up killing his brother. You can then think about those who are hearing John the Baptist who said, Behold the Lamb of God. They might, they might think about that. They might think about how Abraham, Father Abraham, had many sons. Abraham. Abraham went up the mountain with the fire and the knife, the region of Moriah. After three days, God tells him, Take your son Isaac, your only son Isaac, and go offer him as an offering of the place that I show you. So after three days, he looks up and he sees the place afar off. He sees the place where he's supposed to sacrifice his only son. The word afar off there is merahuk. It, 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 it can mean not just the place afar off, but something of God afar off. And that's, that's why I believe that Jesus said that Abraham saw my day and rejoiced in it. What was he talking about? I believe that God opened up Abraham's understanding and saw something in the distance that he would provide the lamb that would take away the sin of the world. And so he takes his only son and he goes up the mountain with the fire and the knife and he's going to sacrifice his son, which is not all that unusual for pagan religions, but definitely unusual for, for Abraham and his relationship with the Lord. And he says to those who he leaves at the bottom of the mountain, we'll be back. We're going to offer the sacrifice, but we will return, believing even for resurrection from the dead. Even as it talks about that in the book of Hebrews in the Hall of Faith, chapter 11. And they go up the mountain and you know the story. He goes to kill his son and the angel stops him and says, now I know you can be trusted. And he looks and he finds a ram in the thicket and they offer the ram. They could have thought about that. They could have thought about the Passover lamb when John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. The Passover lamb. This text now is, I just needed to put that foundation block in place. Because Jesus is the Lamb of God. And he's a gift that takes, that takes away our sin if we repent and believe on him. A gift to all mankind. He came to take away sins for the whole world. So if we look at our text, I had you avoid the NIV, which we read occasionally, because the NIV doesn't translate this Greek word properly. This Greek word, swaddling clothes. So in your notes, if you're taking notes, the significance of what is said in the King James and the New King James preserves the true meaning. Okay, so the actual Greek word is swaddling clothes. Swaddling clothes were bandages or what one was wrapped in when they died. That's what it's referring to. And when you look at the, the journey, I, I need to put this together. 
When a Jew would take a long journey, not a pagan, a Jew. Jews are, Jews are different. They had different rules. They were peculiar people. They were God's chosen people, still are. And they, had a, they lived differently. And the, the human body for a Jew is sacred. And I've adopted this for me. My family taught my kids this way. The human body is sacred in the, in the eyes and the understanding of a Jew, biblically. How many of you know your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit? And so we're to treat it as such. You shouldn't destroy your body. You should take care of your body, right? So what Jews would do is they would carry swaddling clothes or grave clothes around their waist. Now, I learned this first when I was in Bethlehem with a tour guide that had lived in Bethlehem for generations and generations, even generations and shepherds and stuff. This was our tour guide who lived there his whole life and generations before him lived there. He told us this as we're going by the shepherd's fields, which are exactly what they look like, rocks and grass and there's still sheep. Jews, they would carry their grave clothes around their waist. They would tie these shepherd, these swaddling clothes or grave clothes around their waist. It was like a gauze. Why would they do that? Because their body was sacred. So on a long journey, if you died, you had to have your body wrapped. Even the wrap, even Jesus' body was wrapped. You go and look at that, right? Someone said the shroud of Turin is a part of that. I think they've proven that it isn't, but, but his body was wrapped and, and wrapped and prepared and put in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. And he had aloes and myrrhs. And they, they talk about this process of embalming the body. Well, what they wrapped Jesus in on his death from the cross is basically swaddling clothes. It's, it's grave clothes. So a Jew would carry these grave clothes that God forbid they were to die. They would then be able to be wrapped in such a way until family came. And it might be days, but you wouldn't be left open and unprepared. You would at least have your grave clothes on. That's why when you read Ezekiel and you see there's this vast army and they're on top of the ground and their bones are dry, very dry indeed. It's a picture of the army of the Lord cursed. A cursed army. That's why they're on top of the ground and their bones are everywhere. And you know, Ezekiel prophesies and they come an exceedingly great army. So when Mary and Joseph are traveling, they had these clothes. Culturally, they would have had them. So when they go to the manger and Jesus is born, they wrapped him in these, this gauze. And come on, if you have kids, you remember what it was like when you were at the hospital. I remember they, they taught me how to, they called it the burrito. Remember Pastor Karen? You know, you, you make this little burrito. I used to love making those little things and these little pockets where they could put their hands and they could be trapped in there and then they just, ooh, they just look at you, you know. They call it swaddling your child. But the swaddling clothes really here is grave clothes that are used. All right. Now, now look at this. Look at B. Shepherds, because of their close proximity. Are you ready? Are you ready for this? Because this is good. It's about to get good. Everybody bump your neighbor and say, it's about to get good. Okay. Shepherds, because of their close proximity to Jerusalem, there in Bethlehem, were raising sheep. And we know that from history, they're raising sheep for the sacrifice. So they were Levitical, Levitical shepherds. And they would raise sheep for the sacrifice and they would bring lambs up at certain times of the year and so on and so forth for, for the sacrifice in Jerusalem. Now here, if you know, understand that the sacrifice before the Lord is to bring a lamb 
or an animal without spot, without defect. Do you, do you understand that? So if you're going to bring sheep from up, I think it's, uh, I, I'd be guessing, but I think it's more than a thousand feet rise in elevation. Jerusalem is about 2,100 feet in elevation. Bethlehem is down. So that's why they say we go up to Jerusalem. They would go up. And so they would bring these lambs for the sacrifice, walking them up to Jerusalem, but they would take swaddling clothes gauze and wrap the feet and the legs of these lambs so that when they went up to Jerusalem, they wouldn't mar their legs on rocks. This is cultural history. So they wouldn't mar themselves and be, be with defect. The sheep had to be without defect. So it's suggested that these sheep have their legs wrapped in swaddling clothes. So the angel comes and gives them a prophetic word. And that's why it says, it'll be a sign to you. What sign is that? Swaddling clothes around a baby. Swaddling clothes around the Lamb of God. Swaddling clothes, death clothes. It's a prophetic act. And so when they heard that, they understood very clearly what was taking place. Wow. Can you imagine? And here's another thing that you won't just read as a casual reading, but if you study, many times those lambs were birthed in birthing caves. I mean, it is a manger. You know what a manger is? where you would feed animals and so on and so forth. How do you step out of eternity into time and space and put on this flesh and born in the lowest of lows? Mangers are generally filled with animal droppings. You understand? The king of kings, the lord of lords, born in absolute humility and lowliness. And he's wrapped in grave clothes as a sign to the first evangelists. These are the first evangelists, shepherds. All right, how do we respond? How do, how do we respond to the truth as we behold the Lamb of God? We just see little Jesus, little Jesus in the manger. Now, he's not just little Jesus in the manger. He's the king of kings. The most helpless thing in all the world, it's, to me, it seems like a, a human baby. They can't do anything, can't crawl, can't walk. I mean, I mean, you know, even a moose can get up on its feet and kind of run away after a few minutes. Right. Babies can't do anything. They can't feed themselves. They can't change themselves. They just sit there totally helpless. And that's how God came. Wow. In fulfillment of over 300 scriptures in the Old Testament. The Lamb of God. All right. How do we respond to this truth as we behold the Lamb of God? Well, the first thing is very simply... Our human works, our human efforts won't save us for all sinners. Therefore, you need a Savior. Amen. Look, you, you, you can't earn your way to heaven. There's nothing you can do to enter into heaven except believe on the Lord Jesus and then you shall be saved. That's the only way. You don't just need a rule book. How many of you are thankful for the Word of God? I'm so thankful for the Bible. releases wisdom. In fact, whatever challenge, whatever you're going through, the answer is in the Word. Every situation, every circumstance of your life, there's a solution found in the Word. And God will speak to you. And I'm going to tell you, if you apply the Word, then it'll work. I, I remember years of, you know, been, I'm still being discipled. Anybody else besides me? Hopefully you're still being discipled. We're still growing in the things of God. I require like a 30-second counseling when I need it. When I, when I need counseling, and, I, and all I've done is just try to listen to what those who know more than I do share with me as they give me the word. Just do the word. Do the word. The word works, and you end up with word results. And so I would, I would come for counseling. Dr. Morocco would say, well, here's what, the, here's what the word of God says. One, two, three. I'd be like, okay, so to just do that. Do one, two, three. I go do one, two, three, have absolute victory, and I'm on my way down the road to the next thing. 
So many people have so many difficulties they're not willing to do the work. Come on, we need a savior, but thank God for the word. But even in doing the word, come on, listen. Those of you that bent up and bowed up about Christmas, you're probably not here anyway, so maybe you're listening online. You can, you, can, you can try to be all righteous in the observing of the feasts and the festivals and try to cross your T's, jot your I's, and watch out for every jot and tittle. Man, it's not going to save you. Come on, you can get circumcised and keep the Sabbath on the right day or whatever you might think that that ain't going to save you either. It ain't going to save you because you go to church. It doesn't save you because you gave all that you have to the poor or surrender your body to the flames. That's not going to save you. There's nothing you can do to save you except believe on the Lord Jesus. That's it. That, that, that we can't, that's it. You can't argue that point. You must repent of your sin and believe on the Lord. We don't need a rule book. We need a Savior. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So when we, how do we respond to the truth of the swaddling clothes and the Messiah? How do we respond to that? Very simply, repent. Amen. Repent and believe on the Lord. Because you're not, you can't earn it. There's nothing you can do. You came to Christmas service today. Praise the Lord. Glad you're going to come tonight. Maybe glory to God. None of that stuff will get your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. The only thing that will is by believing on the Lord. You got to choose to receive Jesus as Savior. It's called the glory of man. Preached on it many times before. All of us need to choose. I don't know why the Lord did it that way, but he did. You have to choose to live for God. He's not going to make you live for him. He's not going to wind you up like a clock and just let you, you know, like a roll. How insane would it be if you were lonely? And, and so you went and you, and you got a, a little teddy bear or something that you could wind up and it could tell you how great you are and how much the teddy bear loved you. It doesn't mean anything. Come on, that'd be crazy if you were getting comfort from a teddy bear and that's it. You just got satisfied by that thing saying, I love you. I love. God could have made us like little Autobots, you know, little, ro- little, little robots walking around. Maybe not Autobots, but robots. I'm not endorsing the movie anyway. Robots could have made us like a robot, but he didn't. He, he made us with a free will that we can choose to love him. Love is not in a vacuum. So you got to choose to receive the Jesus as Lord as your savior. Because we've been redeemed, look at C, because we've been redeemed and set free from sin and Satan, we must live holy so as to not be ensnared again by the enemy. I said in the first service, I'll say again, there's got to come, you got to receive a paradigm shift. A paradigm shift. What is a paradigm shift? Well, you can, there's some wonderful videos to illustrate it. I think my favorite one is is there's a, a destroyer that radios to this seeming oncoming vessel and says, this is the USS, you know, Lincoln. Uh, you, you, uh, you need to yield to us. And a voice comes back and says, uh, no, we're not going to yield. <laughs> and the destroyer radios back. If you don't yield, we're going to send two across your bow. It says, we're not going to yield, mate. And the Detroit said, this is your last chance. We're sending, we are going to send two across your bow. And he says, you can do whatever you want. We're a lighthouse. That would be a paradigm shift. Uh, oh, lighthouses don't move. And uh, I think maybe as a destroyer, we should shift. You, you need to shift your thinking. We all need to shift our thinking to understand that living holy is, 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 is a reward of its own. 
so many people try to fill the hole in their heart, try to fill things. And I'm going to tell you something. It won't satisfy. Can I just save you a lot of pain? I have one of those unusual stories. And I don't know why that is. Maybe it's so I can tell you this. I've been at the bottom of the barrel. And I mean, pretty bottom. I'm sure there's lower places, but I was low. I slept on cardboard. It wasn't last week. Many, many years ago. I lost everything, slept on cardboard. I, 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 I made choices and decisions that left me for dead. The only, the only one didn't reject me was my mama, praise the Lord, and my spirit-filled brother. And then for whatever reason, prior to that, I experienced, you know, full floor penthouse apartments in, in Park Avenue and Manhattan and debutante balls and stretch limousines and endless amounts of money and all of that experience, all of that too. And everything in between and the whole Ivy League world and, you know, the big money of Wall Street and all. I experienced all that when I was a kid, college. And I experienced the bottom. I'm going to tell you what I found. I'm going to found the Bible's true. That in Ecclesiastes, it's all meaningless. None of it means anything. All the money, you can have all the money in the world. It ain't going to solve the problems that you have. You could have, you could have all the friends, all the fame, all the fortune. You could have everything. It means nothing. It means nothing. It, it, it's utterly scorned. It won't, it won't fill your heart. It won't satisfy you. Only Jesus can satisfy you. And living for him. I'm going to tell you, at night when I lay down, you know, sometimes I have to pray through. But I've got peace like a river and joy like a fountain. And there's not one thing. I got nothing to worry about. I'm not concerned. I'm not worried. I mean, sometimes we come under burdens and we pray through and get troubled and labor in the Lord with groans that cannot be uttered. I mean, I understand that, but mostly I know, my wife knows, and some of you know what I'm talking about. When you've got Jesus on the inside and you're living for Him, I'm not looking across my, I'm not looking over my shoulder. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. And there is not one thing that can give that to you but the Lord and living for Him. Oh, you can receive Jesus and not live for Him, live in compromise, but you'll still be looking over your shoulder wondering when the next shoe's going to drop or when, wondering when you're going to have difficulty and pain. Listen, we need to live holy. We need to live holy. And living holy is its own reward. You've got to have a paradigm shift. We're going to be fasting and praying in January. Thank God it's not for a week or so. As we fast and pray for January, you know, I, I, I hate fasting and I love it. What I love is, is, is it brings, is to, to quote Mike Bickle, fasting brings your heart before the burning bush of God's presence. And I'm going to tell you something. The burning bush of God's presence can be compared to not one thing. The most elated, most amazing experience of your life cannot compare to the burning bush of God's presence and power. And he doesn't come close to those who don't live right. But he's, he repent, if you repent, that, that makes you holy. His blood will cleanse you, wash you. be like the shepherds and proclaim what God has done. The first evangelist. Let's be like the shepherds. Go tell it on the mountain over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain. Jesus Christ is born. Go tell it on the over the hills and everywhere go tell it on the that jesus christ is born sing it again go tell it on the mountain 
over the hills and everywhere go tell it all that Jesus they widely made widely known I don't think that was some you know cute little message they were bringing hi just want to let you know we were you know yeah I'm a shepherd I don't know if I've seen you maybe at the market I, but anyway I you know I'm watching my sheep angel came it's really cool and swaddling clothes and stuff this baby is born just so I tell you I don't think it was anything like that I think they'd unlost their minds with with exceedingly great joy they returned with this explosive joy I mean these guys were freaking out they were, they were shouting. I think they were screaming in the street. They're running up and down by them. The Messiah! The Messiah is born! Jesus is born! He's here, the long-awaited Messiah! He's here! Come and see all that we've been told is true! He's here, the King of kings, the Lord of lords! Oh, God, come in flesh! Isaiah 53, oh, Emmanuel, God with us! Come and look and see what we've seen! The Messiah! Can you imagine? the crowd that came around Jesus. Can you imagine it? Mary and Joseph, minds blown like, whoa. Let's spread the news. Today, tomorrow, as we celebrate it, Jesus was born in Bethlehem, fulfilling the scriptures. His word is true. His word is real. Did you get something from the Lord? Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're not right with God, we never want to close a service without you being reconciled to Him. If you've never received Jesus and you want to do that today, you want to give your heart to Him for the very first time, or perhaps you want to make a recommitment to Him because you know you're not living for Him and you need to come home. You need to give your life to Him afresh, anew. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand as well and be included in this prayer as we pray together. Or maybe thirdly, the enemy lies to you and you're just, you know, you're just not sure if you're going to heaven. If you want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time, or, or secondly, if you want to recommit because you drifted, or thirdly, you just want to be sure of your salvation. Everybody praying, those online, those here, intercessors, interceding. You want to give your heart to Jesus first time, recommitment, or you just want to be sure on the count of three, slip your hand up. One, two, do it right now. Three, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Raise your hand high. Say you want to be included. That's me, Pastor. God bless you. Perhaps online as well. Thank you, Jesus. Would you all stand up on your feet all across this place? Come on, pray this prayer right now. And, and then we're going to have the children come in and we're going to see them blessed and receive a gift and Pastor Kirsten will come in just a moment, but let's pray this right out loud. And, and, and if you are living right for him, well, praise God. Let's reaffirm our faith and continue to do so. Amen. Come on, pray with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for dying on a cross, sending your son to die on a cross for me and for my sin. And thank you that Jesus rose again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin and come into my heart. Come into my life and be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me. Cleanse me. And make me new. Thank you for loving me. And thank you for hearing my prayer. 